good morning, church family. We're going to continue worshiping by reading God's Word together. And if you have a copy of the Scriptures, I hope you'll join me in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 7, as we continue walking with Jesus through His Sermon on the Mount. And while you're turning there to join me, let me just tell you how grateful I am to be able to even use that phrase, church family. When we launched the church at Avenue South over five years ago, we never set out to be an organization, because that's not what we are. And we never set out to be a church that just does great worship services once every seven days, and there was little else substance. It's not what we wanted to be. We never set out to be a collection of individuals. We set out to become the family of God and to be a gospel outpost in our city. And we've seen that happen over the last several years. And we've never needed to be more of a family than we are now. So grateful to be your pastor and so grateful to be part of a church family with you. We are all different. We are all unique. We have different perspectives. We have different opinions and preferences. But the thing that unites us as a church and as a church family is that we have been purchased by the blood of Jesus Christ, been ransomed from our sin and from hopelessness, and brought into the kingdom of God, a kingdom of light and of hope. And the most important thing that we all share is that we are unified by the blood of Christ. And he, the Lamb of God, is our Lord. And I'm so grateful for you. I'm grateful for our family. And I'm grateful that we agree on that. So one of the things I want to remind you today, because we are still worshiping online, is that we have an opportunity to do exactly what Jesus has called us to do in this Sermon on the Mount. In the next several weeks, I pray and hope that we will be gathered together in person. And tomorrow, Monday, June 8th, that is previously part of the mayor of Davidson County's plan to address what the next stage of reopening Nashville will look like. And it may mean an increase in the number of people allowed to gather, and that would get us closer to reopening. And again, we'll let you know when that will be based on that information. It, it may be status quo. There may be nothing change about that. I, I can't predict that. But what I can tell you is that from the Sermon on the Mount, when Jesus preached on this Galilean hillside to women, men, and children, there were no church buildings as we understand them today. There were no ministry programs. There were no programmatic plans or events scheduled for the church. It was Jesus preaching and proclaiming the good news of his Father and a group of people who were called to respond and obey. And I praise God that we're in this thing together and that even though we are still currently meeting online, hoping to meet in person soon, nothing can stop us from hearing the word of God preached and proclaimed by Jesus himself and having the courage and the faith to obey it. That's what we're going to do today. That's why I'm so grateful we have God's word. So if you will, join me. We're going to read Matthew chapter 7, verses 7 through 11. Jesus said, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Who among you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good things to those who ask him? So let's pause right there for a moment and walk through this text together with the reminder that what Jesus is doing is proclaiming the good news of his Father and asking us to obey. 
With that in mind, the first thing I want you to know from this text, I don't want you to miss this, is that we are commanded by Jesus to ask God for what we need. We're commanded by Jesus to ask God for what we need. It's pretty blatant. It's pretty obvious in the text, but I'll go ahead and illustrate the obvious. In verse 7, you'll notice, and if you have a pen, you can underline this. Jesus says that you should ask, you should seek, and you should knock. That you and I, as followers of God, through our faith in Jesus Christ, have entered into relationship with God. The Bible tells us all throughout the New Testament, and Jesus specifically in John chapter 10, when he uses the metaphor of a shepherd and the sheep, that word picture, Jesus says, I know the sheep that are in my fold, that are part of my flock. And the sheep know the voice of the shepherd. What that means is that Jesus is telling us to ask, to seek, and to knock. Jesus is talking about communicating with God our Father through our faith in Jesus Christ. What he's talking about is prayer. Prayer is two-way communication between God and his people. Now, I confess to you that a lot of times as a young man and even as a child, I would do all the talking and would do no listening. But prayer is about talking and listening. But Jesus says, when you talk, if you're going to talk, and I want you to, you need to tell the Father what it is that you need. You should ask him, you should seek him, and you should knock to approach him with what it is that you need. Now listen, prayer is sometimes hard to understand. It can be overwhelming. It can be intimidated if no one's ever taught you. It's one of the reasons why I'm so grateful for our mentor ministry here at the church. Mitch Simpson, who is a member here at our church, leads our mentor ministry where we partner people with a mentor. And a lot of times a mentor will teach someone else some of the basics of the faith, teach them where they are. And maybe they're just, maybe the mentor is just a little bit ahead on their faith journey. And one of the things that comes up common in conversation with mentors is how do I pray? What do I do? Well, in Luke chapter 11, Jesus said, he gave the disciples the Lord's prayer. And most of you probably know it. But he said, when you pray, pray, our Father who art in heaven. That's how it starts. Prayer is incredibly practical. Prayer is incredibly practical. So I don't want you to be intimidated by it. One of the things I have prayed this last week is our Father who art in heaven. I have prayed that. In the midst of, of, of the violence and the chaos that we saw in downtown Nashville last week, I prayed our Father who art in heaven. And that was my declaration that you're God you're still on your throne. I believe that even behind this difficult, hard time for our city and for many of our citizens and even for our church members, you are God and you're still on your throne. And that was my prayer. It's very practical. Prayer is very practical. Jesus taught us that. And so one of the things we need to be praying right now is you are still on your throne. We believe that. And the more we pray that, and the more we say that, we are reminded that it's true even when we can't see it. And even in a beautiful but a broken world when we can't feel it, it's true. Prayer is incredibly practical. Jesus wants us to ask. He wants us to seek. He wants us to knock. And even if that's you just voicing whatever it is that you can get out, Lord, I am overwhelmed. Lord, I, I not only know that you're on your throne, but I'm confused. I'm scared. I'm, I, I don't know where peace should come from. I lack comfort. I am burdened for my brother or my sister in the church family. I'm burdened for my community. Whatever it is that you can get out, Jesus says you should tell the Father what it is that you need. So one of the prayers I have had this week in light of what we have seen, you all are aware of this, but I'm going to go ahead and state it. Many of our members and friends in the community who are persons of color feel unheard and are brokenhearted. 
So therefore, Romans 12 says that we should rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. And so one of the things that I have done is I have prayed, Lord, please comfort those of our friends who are brokenhearted, whether they be white, whether they be black, whether they be Hispanic or Latino, regardless of their background, their race, their ethnicity, Lord Jesus, comfort anyone in our city who is brokenhearted. That's one of the things I have asked and I have sought and I have knocked to ask God for. Jesus says that you should ask the Father for what it is that you need. I'm going to ask you this morning, what is it that you need? Jesus commands us to do this. Ask for what you need. It may not be related to recent events in our city. It may be for your marriage. Maybe you need peace in your marriage. Lord, help us to communicate well. You should pray and ask God for that. God, give us the ability to put our pride away and to reason together, to listen to one another. If that's what you need, you should pray for that. Whatever it is that you need, you should ask God for it. Now, Jesus offers us this with the promise that whoever asks, they will receive. It says it right here in this text. Look with me in verse 7. Whoever seeks, you will find. Whoever knocks, it will be given to you. Jesus commands us to pray and gives us the promise that God the Father will answer. God answers prayers. Now, first of all, let me give you a quick caveat. When I was younger, young man, maybe not as spiritually mature, I got a whole lot of learning and growing to do, but maybe when I was more spiritually immature, I, I would pray for whatever it is I wanted. Not what I needed, but what I wanted. And I praise God, he has not answered and given me everything I wanted. I mean, I want you to think about it. If you pray for that job, that promotion, those financial resources, popularity, fame, like what if God answered every prayer that we ever prayed for because we wanted that thing? It actually might destroy us. God may give us something that we don't have the character or we don't have the discernment or the wisdom or the competency to handle. I, I praise God that he hasn't answered everything I've wanted. This is not talking about whatever you want. God will give it to you if you pray for it. It's not talking about prosperity. That's the prosperity gospel. Pray, rub, rub the genie in the bottle, and God will give it to you because he's promised. That's not what this means, and it doesn't mean material blessing. That doesn't necessarily mean that, okay? Psalm 37, 4 says, Delight in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Delight in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. What this means is, the closer you and I become to the Father, the more we are close to him through prayer and through reading the word and community with others, the closer in tune our heart is with the Father. And so we begin to understand what he delights in. Of course, our Father delights in certain things. So therefore, the closer we get to him, the more we delight in what he wants. We know that he wants peace to rule in our city. We know that God is a God of justice. He wants things to be done justly. Proverbs 31 verses 8 and 9 says that you and I should speak up for those who do not have a voice and that we should seek justice for those who are oppressed. That's what our Father wants. The more we are aligned with Him and we pray, Lord, yeah, yes, that's what we want, especially in light of the turmoil and the chaos that we saw in our city recently. Lord Jesus, we want that. And, and this is not just for our brothers and sisters who are African-American, brown, or black. This is for our brothers and sisters who are Hispanic and Latino and Asian. This is for white individuals like God in our city, people of any background, any ethnicity, any race. We pray, Lord, 
that you would provide justice for them if they feel overlooked, if they feel mistreated, and if they are truly oppressed and harmed and dealt with unjustly, we ask you, Lord, hear us on behalf of them. Bless and serve and or rather bless and encourage and lift them up out of that. So that's something we know the Lord wants to take place in our city. So we pray for that. That's what that means. Pray for things. Delight in things that God delights in. And he will give you the desires of your heart because they align with his. And in doing that, regardless of what it is we're praying for, if it aligns with the heart and the character of God, we may not always get what we want, but we will always have what we need. And Jesus tells us we should do this. And he said, when you knock, the door will be open for you. And let, let's use that metaphor for just a moment. The idea there is that there is a door that we are knocking on. There's a door that we're knocking on and we cannot open it. We need God to open that door for us. But if you will ask, he has the power to open it. And really that's what prayer is all about. Prayer is all about tapping into the power of God to do for us what we can't do for ourselves. Knock and the door will be opened. You can't open the door on your own. Therefore, you need God's help. You need his ability. You need his power to bring to fruition peace and justice and healing and comfort in a way that you and I cannot do. So I will tell you, church family, there are things we can do when we see injustice and when we see those who are marginalized. Again, anyone from any background, any socioeconomic status, anyone who is overlooked and marginalized, there are things that you and I can say verbally to speak up, and we should. There are things we can do in our action, in our deed. And I will be honest with you. And I want to challenge you. Let us be in word and deed speaking up for things that are unjust and for those who have no voice, not just on one day of the week or when something is wrong and people are hurting in our community on one weekend. Let us be committed to this every day, every month, every year until Jesus returns. Let us faithfully be consistently for those things as the people of God, not just when it's popular, and not just when it's in response to a singular historical event, but until Jesus returns. Let us be those type of people. And I'm here to tell you, we can't in our own strength. Maybe we can a little, but we can't over periods of years and decades and until Jesus returns unless we have his power. And that's what Jesus tells us. Pray and ask for his power. If Jesus is saying, ask for this, our brother James in James 4.2 says this, you have not because you ask not then we need to tap into this power. If we want to see our city healed, if we want to see people come together, if we want to see the people of God, even within our own church, my goodness, for every member in our church, we all, there are that many different preferences and opinions. There are different stories and backgrounds. My goodness, if we're going to be unified in this, being for our city and seeing the kingdom of God unleashed, we can't do that in our own strength. Prayer is the strategy. Again, hear me say, I don't want you to mistake that I'm not saying this. There are things we should verbally say and there are actions we should literally do physically. It's not just about prayer. But as followers of God, the primary strategy that we should be about, our number one default, should be prayer. Jesus tells us that we have that right. We have that privilege. And I want to be very careful here to, to use the word right or privilege. I, I believe as followers of Jesus, we have been purchased by the blood of the Lamb on the cross at Calvary. I'm very hesitant to even paint a picture that we would stand in front of that cross and talk about our rights and privileges. 
That's why it doesn't matter what my preferences are about what the church building looks like. If it has green carpet or tile floor, if the minister sung this song or they didn't sing my favorite song, like we do not have rights and privileges as it concerns those types of things. I'm not going to stand in front of God and argue over those. But if there is a right as heirs to the kingdom of God, it is to approach his throne and bloody our knuckles, banging on the door of heaven, to ask, to seek, to knock, and to say, please, by the power of the risen Jesus, bring this concern, which is near and dear to your heart, to fruition. So I would like to challenge and call our church family to a month of prayer and fasting. This past week, when events stirred up in our community, I called us to a day last Sunday of prayer and fasting. I am never, I've never been more convinced that the most important thing that we need to be about, in addition to our word and our deed, is that we should be people of prayer. We should be people of prayer. For the next 30 days, for the next 30 days, all the way through the 4th of July, the remainder of June, and through the 4th of July until the 7th of July, I'm calling our church family to pray and to fast, to bang on the door of heaven, knowing that as the beloved children of God, we have the right and we have the incredible privilege of asking God for what it is we need for our city, what it is we need for our relationships, what it is we need to listen for, to one another, to, to understand one another, to, to keep our mouths closed when we need to listen and learn, to open them when we need to speak up. I'm so gracious if we're, if we're talking about racial unity, as we have been as a church, and we've been very mindful of all of us this past week, I have friends in this church, and I have friends in our community and around our state who have been gracious and long-suffering with me so that I could ask my questions and say, I don't know what I don't know. And also for me to voice, like, I, I think I'm missing something here. Can you help me understand what it is that people are talking about that I don't understand. Many of our African-American members, friends in the community, and other pastors in our state have been incredibly gracious to me to help me understand that. And the, and the dialogue has gone both ways, and I've been so grateful for that. Listen, as we make our way forward, in order for us to listen well with one another and be gracious to one another, we're going to need the Holy Spirit helping us. We've never needed the power of Jesus in our relationships to be gracious to one another, to be long-suffering with one another, to be forgiving of one another, and to want God's best for each other. Ephesians chapter 6 tells us that we do not battle against flesh and blood. Our battle's not against each other. So if we ever, listen to me, if we ever get sideways with one another because we ask a question that is unintentionally offensive, or, or if we voice our opinion and we realize, oh my gosh, I've hurt somebody. I didn't even realize I was doing that. Maybe you've done that this past week and you didn't even realize it. I want to call us all to remember that our battle is not against flesh and blood, but it is against the spiritual rulers and authorities and powers of the cosmos, of the world, this beautiful but broken, fallen world. And we have an enemy who would love to stir us up and get us angry and frustrated with one another and be at odds with one another so that we do not see the kingdom of God advance and people from every tribe and every tongue and every nation brought into the kingdom of God as we pray not only this week, but every day and every week of our lives, your kingdom come, Luke chapter 11, Jesus, your kingdom come, your will be done right here in Nashville as it is in heaven. God, bring about a kingdom of every tribe, every tongue, every nation, every background, men, women, and child of, children of all ages. As we pray that and seek that and ask for that, 
We need his power to make that possible because we can't do it in our own strength. And in order for us to be on the same page with that, which I love you and I'm grateful for your grace and your patience with me as I've learned over these past several years how we can lean into that better. As we do it together, we're going to need to be on the same page. We're going to need to realize that there is a spiritual battle and the weapon that we have is prayer against those spiritual battles, but also that God has told us to ask because he's the only one that can open the door to answer these prayers for us. And that's what Jesus said. Talking about rights and privileges, Jesus said, listen, like honestly, he says here in verse nine, like who among you, if his son asked him for bread, would give him a stone? In other words, like a bread literally kind of a, a, a big piece of stone would look like a loaf of bread. I don't know if you remember when Jesus was tempted in the wilderness, Satan said, look at these stones right here. I know you're hungry. You've been fasting and praying. If you're really God, turn these stones into bread. Like who of us, even if we are broken and fallen, would give our son? I have two sons. If one of them asked me for bread, I'm not going to give them a stone, even though I'm sinful and fallen, just like all of us are. I'm going to try to do the right thing. Jesus went on to say, how many of us, if our son asked us, if we're a father and our son asked us for a fish, would we give them a snake? Now, I understand there are abusive and there are mean fathers in our world. I want to acknowledge that. But, but on the whole, what Jesus is suggesting here is you are all sinful and broken, but the father who truly wants what's good and right for their child, even though you're sinful at heart, wouldn't give your child a snake if they asked for a fish because you want to do right by them. And if you're God, if your father, who is so much better and more perfect and doesn't know how to fail, is better than that, then think about the gifts he wants to give you. Think about what he wants to do. Think about how your father wants to bless you as his child to help bring forth his kingdom in and through you in this world. If you then in verse 11, who are evil, know how to good, give good gifts to your children, how much more will your father in heaven give good things to those who ask him? Listen, Jesus said this. He taught this on that Galilean hillside for those followers then and for us now because he knew disciples with doubts and fears and concerns needed the assurance that God loves them and that they can trust him. That's one of the most important things for us to realize today. As followers of Jesus, that the exhortation for us to pray and to obey the promise of Jesus is rooted in the character of God, his goodness, and his ability to care for his children. There is nothing, Romans chapter 8 says, that God would withhold from us his children as rightful heirs to his kingdom, accomplished and offered to us through the blood of Jesus Christ on the cross of Calvary. There's nothing that God would withhold from us that wouldn't help us become more like his son, draw closer to him, and participate in seeing his kingdom come into this world. So not only are we commanded to ask Jesus for what we need, but we're guaranteed that those promises come to fruition, not only in the finished work of Christ, but in the goodness and the character of who God is, that he loves his children enough, that's us, to send his son to die for us, to bring eternal life to us, so that in a broken and confusing world, even in what we've seen in Nashville this past week, we are not without help and we are not without hope.
Psalm 121 says, I look to the hills, I look to the mountains. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord. My help, our help, our help comes from the Lord, maker of heaven and earth. And so Jesus says, you should ask your father because he loves to give his children good gifts. He loves to give you wisdom. He loves to give you discernment. He loves to give you peace. He loves to give you the assurance that he's in control and all of the promises of God are guaranteed and offered to us through the person of Jesus Christ. That's why I'm calling us to prayer and fasting. I'll talk more this week on social media about what fasting is like and how to do that well. But Jesus has commanded us to pray. And right now as a church, we need to be very serious about that. We need to be committed to that. So I want to give you just a moment to think about what it is you need to ask Jesus for right now in your own life. Take the next couple of seconds. Ronnie and the worship team are going to lead us in a song of response and then close in our doxology. But what is it that you need from Jesus? You may not have what you need, but don't let it be because you didn't ask. Ask so that God is glorified and that your heart is aligned with him. And Jesus has promised our Father would love to bring his kingdom to fruition in our hearts and through our lives. So let's pray together.